0: Hi, this is Kevin Bruce for sc.com, and I am uh, pleased to have uh, with us uh, Daryl Rudeau and Chris Arledge. And uh, our purpose for, for today is to uh, discuss, uh, you know, what uh, some of the benefits uh, that have been uh, uh, accomplished in spring ball uh, and, importantly, some of the observations uh, around the simplification of both the offense and the defense, and what are the benefits of that? What are some of the uh, uh, interesting observations around why that is important, and what it portends for uh, you know this upcoming season? And uh, I'd like to uh, really uh, turn this over to uh, Daryl, uh, who can uh, describe what he has seen, uh, you know, during practice, in particular with his uh, very uh, informed view uh, from a defensive perspective but toward the offense.
1: Daryl? You know, gen- gentlemen, it's, it's been interesting because as I compare and contrast, last year's team at this time, as they were breaking in a young JT Daniels and <clears throat> surrounded by a lot of veteran leadership on the football team, but yet you, you still got the sense that with the coaching staff, being that it was still it remained unsettled at the offensive coordinator position with T Martin taking full helm and responsibility but yet what role would Clay Helton uh, remain playing that that discourse or that dysfunction really matriculated down onto what we saw on the field and what we saw on the field this time last year in spring ball was a quarterback competition that seemed to suck the life out of the other Uh, 23 positions on the football field. Offensively and defensively, it felt very stagnant as the coaching staff focused heavily on the quarterback competition and an evaluation of talent as to where they were going. Spring ball, of course, JT Daniels could not participate because he was still in high school, but his mere presence in practice overshadowed uh, Matt Finks and and Jack Sears in the competition that was or was not. This year, what we're noticing is less emphasis on that competition within the quarterback spot, but more uh, along the lines of a new offensive coordinator coming in, implementing his version of an air raid attack in Graham Harrell. And what you're noticing is less focus on the quarterback and more on the system onto itself. It's a real, it's a plug and play measure. And so, if you're coming out to practice for the first time, looking for an inner competition. You you would leave feeling un- underwhelmed with the play at quarterback because these quarterbacks are not making they're not taking a lot of great risk throwing the ball deep downfield, but merely putting the balls in the hands of playmakers, which goes back to the point of emphasis that we've noticed Clay Helton um, reiterating and, and it being um, emphasized by all the coaches that this this off season was going to be that of uh, going back to core fundamentals, making sure that guys understand from how to tie their shoelaces and the length of their socks all the way up to their alignment, stance, and assignment. And just really becoming a master at lining up, being where you're supposed to be, and allowing your natural athleticism to take over that part could not be more emphasized than what we're noticing at the receiver position offensively. We're seeing not a lot of plays being run, but window-dressed in multiple formations. So they're getting the looks that they're wanting, but in terms of what is being expected of the skilled players, these guys, are a, they don't have to think about what the play is and and, 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 and you know what, <clears throat> what they're trying to um, get accomplished. They're mainly... You can see their eyes. Their eyes are gazed downfield, window dressing the defense and looking for the holes. So this offense gives the receivers and running backs a lot of creativity and uh, the ability just to demonstrate why we recruited these four and five star talents at these skill positions.
0: So Daryl. Um in terms of your uh, perspective of what was going on during spring and in, you're right you're installing a new offense but i guess my question then is it sounds like what you're saying is uh this offense is simpler than what we did not install last year but what we used last year
1: that, that that's a yeah that's a great point um if if you're using the cliche, or at least the football cliche, that less is more, then that's what we're seeing. We're we're seeing guys uh, compared to last year. And when I'm when I'm making the comparison, I have to go back to an interview that I saw with Michael Pittman Jr. at at the beginning of spring ball, where he made the point of emphasis that. Last year, it felt like he was going into a master's program where the concepts were stacked on top of each other. But it wasn't as though uh, they were building blocks where you were taking the, um, the overall formations and then building on top of that. No, he said it felt like it was three different, it was three different versions of an offense kind of mushed together, like a gumbo mix. <laughs> and, um, and for him... It, it was overwhelming because the, even though the language was the same, but it was, it, it, the offense almost stemmed back to as far as Lane Kiffin, with his days at USC, on top of Steve Sarkeesian's days at USC, on top of Clay Helton taking the realm of offensive coordinator, sprinkled in with what T. Martin wanted to do. And so if you're a freshman coming in, you have the unabridged version of the of the dictionary or the almanac and you had to understand and decode everything so there was somewhat of the um uh, well, the term that we would use in, in, in back in the days playing dominoes in the uh, in the streets with the elders the elders study long study wrong a lot of guys lined up wondering what where they were supposed to be and as a result of that i think that the coaches felt like they had to dummy down things last season, and we only saw one or two route combinations. Well, Graham Harrell says, look, Mm -hmm. I wasn't a part of all of that, so we're going to wash all of that. I'm coming in, and we're just going to run about a handful of plays. But how we line up in those plays is going to give us the complexity, to the point where JT Daniels was was quoted as saying, yeah, it's not a lot. So so other teams are going to know what we're going to do. We just have to Mm -hmm. do it better than our opponent. And that's what they're working well, on now. That simplicity yeah, I, is allowing for their athleticism to really thrive. And now we're, we're seeing guys who, who are, are running routes confident, running backs that really seem to have a good time playing with the spacing. I love what I'm seeing so far. But is it fool's gold? That's really the question. Yeah,
0: yeah, they're, yeah fair point. And, and also it, it does point out, and I'm going to get to it now, is the physicality component of simplification and you know within that context look we have some very physical players on offense but there's always been a question mark over the last several years with the physical nature of what our offensive line can do now with the bigger splits up front and some other matters then it's a fair amount of one-on-one in space blocking assignments um, and we'll see how that goes but let me flip this around and and talk about one of my uh, favorite topics which of course is the defense and uh, like yourself, I've been intrigued with the notion of simplification. Have no idea where this originated from, as far as you know, coming into the coaching staff at USC. It doesn't seem to have sprung out of you know spontaneous combustion out of, of Clancy. Uh, I, I think there was you know broad discussions, and the, the notion was we need to simplify. But I think what we're seeing is yeah, simplification for a number of reasons. But we're seeing a return to fundamentals, and a lot of that has to do with some new coaches coming in, Coach Burns, Coach K, and then some of the, uh, the solid guys that are returning uh, uh, from coaching and working on, you know, hand placement, uh, stance. Now, hear what I'm saying, hand placement, stance, and move your feet upon first contact with the offensive uh, player that is about as fundamental as it gets. Pop Warner teaches that, and probably even before so, right? So uh, it's not a criticism. I'm just saying, all right, I'm good on that because I think that's a big chunk of the root cause analysis of the issues that we've had on defense for the last several years is that lack of fundamental uh, soundness up front with the big guys. That's number one. Number two that goes with this, in terms of simplification, is the, the the guys up front the defensive line uh, looks like we're going to go with a a, a uh, you know th- three down lineman uh, with a fair amount of uh, you know first certainly first down maybe second down there may be some four down linemen early on it depends on some situations but and we're keeping uh, uh, Christian Rector. Uh, on on the same side all the time, which means he's a true defensive end now. He's a seven technique, maybe even a nine technique, uh, defensive end. And I, you know what? That that's going to work for him. Uh-huh. That is simplification over what he was doing before. He's flipping from side to side, two point a little bit, two point stance a little bit, three point most of the time. Uh, asking him to drop into coverage. I mean, it was it was not the right. Fit for a guy with his skills, I think that turns him loose. And we have some other talent that fits, uh, uh, you know, that that uh, that approach to a three-down lineman uh, technique. Importantly, the two uh, our, our three technique and our zero technique uh, uh, tackles uh, are, and you know, inside guys are really you know on are on target to you know drive the pressure. Uh, Up the the middle of the offensive line, our opponent's offensive line. That's a beautiful thing if we can get that done. Moving your feet when you make contact with the offensive lineman is just about as fundamental as you can get, and yet it was lacking a lot last year for all kinds of reasons. I think some of it was conditioning, to tell you the truth, but that was not the only issue, right? Sure. So there was strength, strength on strength, feet not moving. And then the guys are standing still. Gap gets open, starts to wide, and the next thing you know you, we got something going on. The third thing that Clancy said that he was looking for and uh, and working on, I'll get to linebackers in just a minute, and then I'll you know ask Chris to jump in. Um, it is the uh, situation a better situational awareness. Okay, what that means is when it's third and seventeen, don't be eighteen yards deep. As right. an example. All right, it, it, you know, it be situationally aware. You know, which side of the 50 are you on? You know, are you, you, know, are you near four down land? Are you, you know, three down land? Uh, you know, those are kinds of things that, that situationally the the entire defense has to be mindful of. And it just seems there were times last year, no, without question, and this will happen anyway, but it happened too many times when we gave up the big play uh and, and you, just, you could just tell that the guys were out of position there wasn't the, the air quote run fit that was proper relative to the situation or uh the, the secondary coverage was just totally out of sync with, which, with what uh, was going on up front let alone the fact there wasn't pressure on the quarterback et cetera. Et cetera. okay so that, that was all interesting within the linebacker group simplification well they you know, Clancy's actually done some pretty something pretty interesting. They're moving Eosifa uh, uh, and Houston into the mic uh, so that they can make the proper calls and set the box—not the secondary, but the box for the most part—is uh, sure. a good move. That helps with some some uh, some um, you know, hopefully getting a good run fit. Now, look, you're not going to have a more knowledgeable linebacker than Cam Smith, so I don't think it's about knowledge. It's about getting the guys up uh, front knowing. That they need to move to this gap, uh, this shade, this uh, this matter, and make the call. Okay, yeah. so um, and then you have the whole secondary, and you know we all know that with the amount of injuries and guys not available and so on, that just getting you know people out there to play secondary this this during spring uh, has been a challenge, and yet within that there has been fundamental training that Burns coach Burns has put out there, uh, you know, footwork and, and Daryl, you, you certainly know this inside and out the footwork, uh, yep. you know, the, eye, the, the eye discipline, uh, and, and, you know, the, the, you know, proper, uh, hip rotation and, uh, and, and just fundamental techniques. Yep. Yep. Combined sure. with situational awareness is a, is a huge thing. So you know, look, I could go on and on, and that's just mm-hmm. not, you know, the purpose of the call. But I'm I'm excited about it. I like what I see. I'm not sure this is necessarily all the root cause uh, uh, causes of some of the defensive shortcomings that we've seen last year. Because being the 83rd defensive team in the country for a USC football team is unacceptable, let yes. alone the record that we put up last year. It's totally horrid. Uh, Chris, I know you have some perspectives here.
2: Yeah, a, a couple of thoughts. Uh, first of all, uh, I, I find JT Daniels' quote a little bit amusing about, you know, teams are going to know what we're going to do. They just have to stop it. Look, I'm probably not the first USC fan to listen to that and say, well, wait a minute, the teams knew what we were going to do last year and the year before also. <laughs> I, mean, Sam Darn- I, I hate to say that because when Sam Darnold made that statement, it didn't turn out great for him. People came down hard on him, it appears. But that's the reality. For years, teams have known exactly what USC's offense is going to do. The question is whether or not uh, the question is not whether is whether Graham Harrell is going to put us in a position where we're less predictable, despite the simplification. If you think back to those Chip Kelly offenses at Oregon, I don't know he's he's done things a little bit differently at UCLA. We'll see how that evolves. But at Oregon, they were relatively simple. They would do the same. They would give you the same look almost every time with that zone option uh, uh, mm-hmm. read play. USC has been running that same play. The difference is that Oregon would either give it to the running back or have the quarterback keep it and run the other direction around the end when the, end cra- when the backside end chases after the running back, or he would uh, start that direction and then throw it out to the wide receiver. Essentially, USC ran the same play, but they took away two of the three options. It would be like being a wishbone team but only hand them it to the fullback, right? You ne- the quarterback never keeps it and he never pitches it. <laughs> oh, of course people are going to shut that down. So yeah. I-, I-, I think that I- I'm-, I'm excited, I'm excited that-, that Graham Harrell is going to take, uh, take over because I think while the offense may be simple for USC's players to understand, I suspect that they will still give the defense more to worry about than yes. the defense had in the past, and I think that will be helpful. I yeah. do wonder, though.
1: No, go ahead, Darrell. Oh, okay. Um, there's just Again, <laughs> I'm glad we're having this part of the discussion because many people have asked me uh, several of these questions, and I just want to kind of highlight from in, inside looking out. Now, not that I've been in these meetings, but I've spoken to players that are just leaving the program, and I've gotten their unbiased, candid um, analysis of the program as they experienced it as players leaving the program. okay. What I learned was, defensively, that the team last year, when the team met, and this blew my mind, when the defensive team met and they broke up into position meetings, the safeties did not sit in the same meeting room with the corners. The safeties actually met with the outside linebackers Mm -hmm. and the nickel. They occupied one room the interior linebackers were in another room, and the corners were oftentimes displaced. They didn't have their own meeting room. So how can you effectively communicate in the secondary if you're not at the very least watching film with the linebackers and the secondary and then breaking up into position meeting rooms where the safeties in the corners can communicate? It is very difficult for anyone – to go through a season, make the necessary adjustments, if you can't turn to your left or to your right and see your brethren in a room with you and be able to talk about what you're seeing and, and the perspective that you're viewing it from. In, in addition to that, one of the biggest issues that this coaching staff had last year was if you went down the list and you looked at the resumes, you had T. Martin, who was a who was a, 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 a Heisman Trophy quarterback, Right at Tennessee, Mm -hmm. won the national championship coaching receivers. Now, he did an admirable job with that, but he was not coaching his true position. Then you had Johnny Nansen, who came in coaching the running backs, flipped over coaching linebackers, Clancy himself coaching the outside linebackers, And, and then you had a secondary that didn't trust the message coming from their position coach. Offensively, Kerry Colbert was a receiver coaching tight ends. You had um, Clay Helton defectively and him and Tim Drevno coaching the running backs when Drevno came in as a specialist coaching uh, the linemen. So mm-hmm. just the mere fact that you had coaches coaching out of position leads me to believe when in doubt coaches are going to become X's and O's guys and not technicians when they're not coaching a position that they truly understand. And that message gets diluted and, and it's a reflection of how the players were prepared. So when you talk about the uh, simplification, what we're noticing now is true coaches coaching their true element in their position where they've had the most success. Tim Drebno being able to actually effectively deliver a message to the offensive line, and and, and they um, execute those techniques. And I can go on and on and on. But but Chris, the, the last um, um Chris, the last point that you you were making as it just pertained to um, just this team in general and kind of moving forward in the comments about um, uh, JT Daniels, what I find amazing is in every successful program, less has been more, less in the sense that you don't want players thinking, right? You want them reacting and reacting fast. But what, what I find interesting is where there was so much of a highlight or a star placed on JT Daniel. A freshman out of Arizona has come into this program at the quarterback position and looks just as efficient as your, your your returning starters. So that tells me that there's going to be more of an emphasis on the system and less of an emphasis on the actual quarterback throwing the ball.
0: As it should be, frankly. Uh, though you, you know, you get an a incredible playmaker like like Darnold. That's I don't know if he's a generational quarterback, but he certainly was really special, and he could take nothing and make something out of it and uh uh did come with the price in terms of turnovers but hey uh you know it's it tough to argue that sam was uh was pretty awesome at, at at what he was doing you know for for decades we have been a predictable offense, and the point was, yes, yeah, so, stop us well. Uh, regrettably, over the last several years, uh, yeah, we uh, we were predictable and you know re- frequently stopped unless we had a big play make, playmaker at, at uh, typically quarterback right. Um, so what I really like about what I'm seeing from the offense then is uh, you know really springboarding off what Darrell, you're saying. We've got the offensive coordinator coaching quarterbacks, yep, and working with them directly, and which is like seriously spot on. Uh, now, at, at this point in time, anybody listening to this podcast has got to say, "Oh, wait a minute, what were these guys doing for the last couple of years? You know what? Uh, can't, can't answer that question. Not sure. It's incredibly important. It's noteworthy, okay, fair enough. But the fact is to, it now is now. We've got uh, technicians, people that are technically competent in in coaching positions, training uh, young men, young football players uh, to start with fundamentals and work that up and forward. And in that, I'm mightily encouraged.
2: Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense uh, to me also. I, you know, what, I have one uh, additional caveat when it comes to the defensive side of the ball. Uh, I know simplification has been the buzzword on both offense and defense in, in the spring. And if simplification means that we're going to be much, much better at the fundamentals and focus on the fundamentals, I'm all for it. I'm not convinced that our primary problem defensively last year was that the defense was too complicated. And I went back. I went back actually earlier today and I just looked at the first quarter of the UCLA game last year. And and yes, I did it so you don't have to. Uh you're welcome.
0: <laughs> Listen. What thank I you. Saw, thank you. Thank you. That's right.
2: I could only make it through the first quarter, however, and then I shut it off. Yeah. Listen, what what I saw was not from my perspective. Guys who were confused. What I saw was 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 fundamental breakdowns. In, in other words, if you look at UCLA's first scoring drive, they have two big plays. The first one is when Clancy calls a blitz, the nickelback comes through clean and misses the quarterback. And then the quarterback th- chucks it up for grabs. Uh, uh, Tell can't make a play on the ball. Wilson comes down with it. It wasn't clear from the camera angle uh, why Tell couldn't make a play on the ball. But, look, that wasn't, a, that wasn't an overly complicated defensive problem. We just didn't tackle the quarterback. Yeah. They they score yeah. they score on that same drive with a long pass. It's third and eleven. Uh, Biggie is playing man coverage on the outside. A loose man. He's back about nine or ten yards at the snap. You can't tell what happens. What you do see is that the guy is three yards behind him catching the ball in the end zone. My assumption is the guy gives him the guy gives him some sort of move. Biggie thinks the guy is going to run a, an eleven twelve yard route. For the first down, he bites, and the guy gets behind him.
1: Uh, Uh, Great observation, Chris, and uh, I want to chime in right there because that vantage point was coming right at me. As I typically sit, regardless of home or away, I sit in the end zone, so I mm -hmm. see the action coming at us. And on that play that you're referencing, Biggie initially had great position, but his eye discipline failed him. His eyes got gazed on the quarterback. He assumed that the quarterback was going to scramble and come out and his eyes began to wander, seeing more than what it was supposed to see. And during that time of a scramble drill, they call it plastering, he should have remained on top, uh, on the yeah. top field shoulder. He collapsed underneath shoulder. The receiver drifted beyond him, and he got caught. And to your point, the, the breakdown wasn't necessarily the play that was called. Defensively, it was either alignment and placement, the fits, the run fits, guys um, fitting in the same gap on the, with the wrong shoulder, getting pinned, or a lack of understanding of where they needed to fit. Because when you're going through rehearsal and you're lining up either chairs in the meeting room to simulate the holes… It's easy to understand where you're supposed to be. But when that live action comes at you and all of a sudden the line starts to shift and move and now you have to understand how the hole that was once there has vacated and where your body is supposed to be when live action is coming at you, if you're not accustomed to doing those drills in practice where it becomes muscle memory and you're now just reacting on on instinct – um, you're going to get confused. And that was the case that I noticed with UCLA. When UCLA started gashing USC, it's because they started putting the corners in a position where they now had to be held accountable for run fits. And since yep. they didn't practice any of that last year, learning on the fly was not something that was going to benefit the Trojans last year. Yeah, I so think
0: cornerbacks. Yeah, I'm sorry, Chris, but asking the no, cornerbacks. And I, can, I, I remember the UCLA game, and it's, it's it's just you know my stomach is already tw- uh, queasy. Um, but what, you know, asking the cornerbacks to be basically contained as they're pulling two and three guys uh, off the offensive line and our uh, defensive line and linebackers both were just they were gassed. I, I don't know. They just they were defeated at, at, at the line of scrimmage uh, after I'd say probably mid second quarter for sure. And the second half was just more of same to the point where it was just it wasn't even an embarrassment it was past that whatever that is. I don't know what to call that. Um and and and, and so it was it was unfair. I don't want to overdwell on, on on UCLA, but it was exempt, uh, emblematic of the season. The Notre Dame game has been pointed to as well. Oh, the first half is, you know, kind of an air raid USC version of air raid of other- it didn't produce a lot of points, guys. I have to tell you. So really, that that needs to be uh, spooled up, and the up tempo needs to do work. Uh, you you can't huddle, take your time, run seventeen to twenty seconds between plays. That does that does not work in in that type of environment, unless you're going to pound the rock, which that's not what we do. Um, you you got to move it, move it, move it, move it, move it, and that's part of simplification. Is up tempo. Up tempo is, is is not the outcome you're looking for necessarily. What you're looking for is to drive about six to eight additional plays per game. And and therein is the ability to say, look, games are generally separated by anywhere from two to maybe I don't know seven eight big plays, right? Mm-hmm. Well, if I get. Sure six to eight more plays, offensive plays per game, guess what? I feel better about maybe one of those or maybe even two being a big play that uh, is a difference maker. I like that. So, so well, and, so tempo, they, and
2: tempo stops the defense from adjusting, too. It right? does. I mean, if, and and that, that's, that's how Chip Kelly was killing everybody some sure. years ago is um, he had very fast guys. He, would, he had an offense that had multiple options on every play, so you could pick on the weak link and get and get a good matchup in space, and then he simply wouldn't let you get your breath. I mean, as, yeah. as soon as he runs a play, he runs a play, he gains 12 yards, they are immediately up on the line and attacking you again. That's not what we saw from USC last year. Um, it's harder to run these days because of the rule changes, but it would be Correct. better if we could, if we mm-hmm. could get more up-tempo. But my fundamental point was simply that it's not entirely clear to me that the defense was overly complicated last year. Biggie didn't get beat on that long pass in the first quarter because there was something complicated about the the, the coverage he was in. It was a lack of discipline on the play, and I don't mean to pick on him. He's a good player, and he did a lot of good things in his career, But, but let's be honest, it wasn't that he was confused as to what he was supposed to be doing. Right. He knew exactly what he was supposed to be doing. He just failed to do it. And if you go through the big scoring plays in that yep. game, I think more often than that, that's what you'll find. Okay. The defense wasn't it, too complicated. Chris, I'm, I'm so defensive. glad you're
1: bringing this part up, okay, because he, here's what I've observed over the years. If you, if you go back the year that a Wilcox was the defensive coordinator, and then the next year um, he was replaced by Clancy for, for, for the start of Clancy's second tenure, which is the one that we're on now. What I remembered most about that transition was how much the offense did not trust I mean the defense did not trust that the offense can actually march down the field and and sustain long drives. So when an offense goes 3 and out as often as USC's offense did last season, the defense begins to sn- snark and whisper amongst one another like, "Man, they can't hold their own." You know, so now I got to go play hero ball, and the yeah, moment you get guys down, playing that? hero ball, exactly right, because now you're yeah. trying to you know suck, uh, drink up some Gatorade, try to catch your breath, and all of a sudden you're told now you got to go back on special teams on punt coverage,
0: mm-hmm. right.
1: and then and um and then line up and get gassed for a deep ball teams are not foolish they know who's on special teams and who the gunners are they're going to even if they don't successfully attempt it they're going to send the receiver out on a go route just to gas you up so that on third down when your mind needs to be the sharpest it's not and that's what I noticed last year the defensive the defenders felt like they had to play hero ball and make a play as opposed to trusting that the offense, if they can just get off the field, that the offense can manufacture points. So that was one of the takeaways that I had. But the one thing that if, I, if, if we're going to focus on the things that, that uh, they didn't do so well last year, I'd be remiss if I didn't say the things that I really appreciate that are occurring on this coaching staff. Not only did Clay, uh, right, wrong, or indifferent, hire adults, at certain positions, and and then placed the right people in the right positions. But the one thing that will go unnoticed all year is that Lynn Swan brought in Tom Moore, the former offensive coordinator for the Indianapolis Colts during Peyton Manning's heydays. And a few years ago when when, um, Carson Palmer, before retiring with the Arizona Cardinals, took them to the um, NFC Championship and... It was recorded, it was recognized as Carson's finest season as a professional. His offensive specialist or an offensive coordinator was Tom Moore. This Tom Moore has a brilliant mind, Norm Chow like. When he watches the game from upstairs and he's able to coach Clay Helton, um, give him eyes in the sky, let him know what he's seeing you know, will we'll ultimately help Clay become a better coach because the one thing that a young coach, and although he's been coaching for, you know, 30 years plus now, one thing from a young head coach in terms of experience on the job is eye discipline. Is he lining himself up on the sideline in a position where he sees the field effectively? I don't know. Because up until now, he's been distracted by either play calling or distracted by having to look over his shoulder, making sure that the running backs, um, uh, the grouping was was ready to get out on the field. Now he's relinquished those responsibilities, and he has eyes in the skies that he can trust that's not there to take his job, but there to be a mentor for him and provide that necessary understanding and experience of how to line group things up. And at this, and at the end of the day, I think that the addition of Graham Harrell and a guy like Tom Moore as a consultant will only benefit this coaching staff and help uh, Clay Helton round out his experience as a head
0: coach. Well, we certainly have a lot of. Uh... Uh, learning going on. We've got some seasoned uh, veterans that are, as I said earlier, technically and fundamentally sound in coaching positions where we did not have that before. I don't want to be, uh, you know, uh, you know, dumping on some of the prior incumbents in those roles, but facts are facts, right? So uh, I, I'm I'm encouraged about that. Uh, we we have slightly. Fewer questions now, <laughs> uh, as we spring ball is starting to come to a conclusion, but we have a lot of questions still left open. Not a surprise. Uh, fall camp will answer some of that, but until we get into the season and see how things really work, um, you know, the, 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 that's well, that's, that's hey, look, that's the nature of the game that uh, that we love and and the school that we love. Importantly, I think. The offensive learning, uh, it's going to take a few games to, to get there. And regrettably, our schedule is not user-friendly for that learning. So, you know what? Uh, it is what it is, guys. And, uh, you know, ultimately, uh, put your socks on all at the same level, as Daryl, you were pointing out earlier. Uh, put your strap, your helmets on, and, um, you know, let's go. I mean, uh, we're, we're going to have to go play football. Um, and, frankly, uh What's not to love about that? right? You know, really. but, but,
1: but But, K.B., here's my last takeaway, okay? What do we really know about Graham Harrell? Graham Harrell is being compared to a dysfunctional offensive coordinator room where it was at times a three-headed monster if you include Ty Helton um, and so many different voices relaying messages, whereas just simply simplifying things doesn't mean that it's an improvement but it's an upgrade from where this program was. And the fact that the defense is not at its um, total strength in terms of practices, yeah, the offense looks crisp and efficient, but that's because you've got so many injuries in the secondary that you're really competing against guys that you're not going to see on, on Saturdays. We may not really realize the, the true impact of Graham Harrell's um, um, addition to this coaching staff until we see him up against adversity when he is forced into situations where we now have to see what kind of adjustments can he possibly make. So far, we like the fact that he simplified things, but the question that, that still remains for me at least is if you're dummying down the playbook to a few plays, what happens when you need those special plays to get beyond you know, the the, the 30-yard line as you're getting closer into the red zone. What do you have in your playbook that you can dial up or you can refer back to? You're still, and and as far as I'm concerned, he's still a young offensive coordinator. So I'm not ready to crown him the the next genius at that offensive coordinator position, but I like what I see so far because it's something that was needed for this program. So the, the verdict is still out for me but I'm very impressed upon what I've seen so far that he does seem to have a vision with clarity, but I still don't know if he has a a left hook to go with that jab.
0: Well, we're going to find out because we've got a a schedule that year in and year out is going to provide all the adversity someone might want and an opportunity to rise to the occasion, and it's going to start with Fresno State because I guarantee you Coach Tedford is going to bring in a team ready to play football. Yep. No doubt
1: about that. I've I've played against him. I've been on the opposite side of mm-hmm. of, of what he can do. And um it it'll be interesting, but so far it so good. Be. Very
0: good. Well, you know, uh I think this has been a great discussion. Uh, guys uh, very insightful, helpful, and um you know, more to follow. Uh and it's been um uh, enjoyable to be uh, to be part of this team. And uh, so on behalf of uh R S C and uh, Darrell Wod and Chris Arledge, um uh, the uh, we, uh, we uh, uh, thank you for your uh, your listening in